Hello, I'm Lisa Hilton, and I'm here to brighten your day. Each episode, I'll share three things that have brightened my day. It might be something I just learned. It might be a new kitchen gadget I discovered. Or it might be a new bottle of wine I uncorked. Then I'll invite a guest to share three things that have brightened their day. Our brains on positive are happier, less stressed, and more productive. Together, we're going to start a ripple of positivity that will spread. Let's go make some waves. Hi, friends. Lisa here. For those of you who know me, you know that positivity is my beat. It's how I make my living. It's how I'm wired, and it's one of my top five strengths. My guest today is the Reverend Andy McQuarrie. Father Andy is intelligent, funny, and a forward-thinking leader in our community. When I asked Father Andy if he'd be open to being a guest on my podcast, he replied, I'm sure I would be delighted. I'm very interested to hear what has been brightening his day lately. But first, the thing that has brightened my day is the book One Bullet Away, The Making of a Marine Officer, an autobiography written by Nathaniel Fick. I learned about this book after watching Generation Kill, a seven-part miniseries that focuses on the first 40 days of the war in Iraq, as told by an elite group of U.S. Marines. (laughs) Now, you might be thinking, guns, killing, how does this brighten your day? Trust me on this one. Generation Kill is based on Rolling Stone writer Evan Wright's 2004 book about his experience as an embedded reporter with the U.S. Marine Corps' 1st Reconnaissance Battalion during the 2003 invasion of Iraq. Their lieutenant was Nathaniel Fick. While we were watching the series, Clark mentioned that Lieutenant Fick was a real guy and that he'd written the book One Bullet Away and it was worth reading. So I read it. In the book, Fick recalls his journey of becoming a Marine officer. It is filled with history and education about the Marine Corps, courage and grit, adrenaline-packed missions, and at times, much-needed humor. As an officer, you are trained to be decisive, to act, and to be ready to adapt. An interesting intersection in timelines, when Mr. Fick began Officer Candidate School in Quantico in 1998, I moved to New York City. We both started something that would have a huge impact on our lives at the same time. In the book, a new term that made me laugh out loud was a boxed nasty. It equals a sandwich of processed meats and an apple. I immediately thought of a bologna sandwich. Uh, This food is a war crime. I'm pretty sure I've had a few boxed nasties in my life. A message that resonated with me long after turning the last page was that in the Marine Corps, discipline is key. Discipline has been key in my life as well, whether it's setting goals, accountability, responsibility, or plain old grit. Having discipline has been a main ingredient to my happiness and success. The second thing that brightened my day is a random line from another series. Goodness, I watch a lot of shows. The quote needs a bit of context. The family in this series is Jewish, and they have just returned from visiting Jerusalem, the Holy Land, and connecting with family they had never met before. When they're back in the U.S., the mother makes the statement, we need a new, equal, and opposite reaction to the Holocaust. What would that look like, her family asks? 
That would look like joy, joy for 12 years, 12 years, she replies. That scene was still in my head days after watching it. And in my mind, I replaced Holocaust with pandemic. We need an equal and opposite reaction to the pandemic, to illness and sadness and isolation. Joy, joy, joy. In history, we study about many forces of evil and dark sides of humanity. What about the forces of good? American sociologist and physician Nicholas Christakis's research on human social networks and social contagion tells us that the forces for good are more powerful than the bad qualities. When we take an action, a kind, positive action, it has a magnified effect, which is like the positive social contagion. We can improve the state around us by taking positive actions. And I would say we have a responsibility to work with the better angels of our nature. The better angels of our nature are words attributed to Abraham Lincoln. And I love thinking about the better angels of our nature. Words like love, friendship, teaching, and connection. And that brightens my day. The third thing that has brightened my day is the word saubona. Saubona is the Zulu greeting that means, I see you. And more than politeness, like our greeting of, hi, how are you? Saubona carries the importance of recognizing the worth and dignity of each person. The other day I was driving down the road and I couldn't believe that with the exception of one person, everyone was looking down at their phone while walking or standing. How can we see each other when we are looking down? What would happen if we looked up and really saw each other? For one thing, our greeting of, hi, how are you, might really mean we care about how the other person is really doing. I heard someone on a podcast say recently, we spend too much time in this country talking about the person, talking at the person, and talking past the person. I want to spend my time talking with the person. It definitely brightens my day when someone looks at me and smiles. I feel seen. Think of the ripples of positivity we can start if we look up and smile and really see each other. Saobona. And speaking of connecting with others, here's a positivity tip for the day. What rituals exist in your life that help to build connections with others and the wider community? For example, a yearly street party or community fun run. Think about how you contribute to the world and what brings purpose to your life. Consider finding a local group to volunteer with or someone to take a walk with or a book club to join. My guest today is the Reverend Andy McQuarrie, Associate Rector at St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Salem, Oregon. Father Andy is a dynamic and thought-provoking priest. He explains complex theological concepts and makes them accessible to everyone. He's also a classically trained musician with an operatic baritone voice. You don't often hear Wagner's Tristan and Isolde, eschatology defined, and Christ's ascension likened to how a singer sings in Sunday sermons. I sit up a little straighter and have Google easily accessible when Father Andy speaks. I'm very excited to have him as a guest on my podcast today. Welcome, Father Andy. Good morning, Lisa. Thank you for this invitation. It's really good to be here. Wonderful. 
Before I ask you to share the three things that have brightened your day, I'm wondering if you could share a little with our listeners about what it's been like to be a priest during this pandemic. Yeah. Um, awful. Is that, <laughs> that okay? Um, I mean, I've, I've learned a lot. Um, it's been an opportunity to find out what I really think it means to be a priest. And I, you mentioned my uh, background as a performer, particularly in, in opera. Mm -hmm. And no question, there is a, a performing aspect um, to, to being a priest, particularly in terms of the leadership of worship. And you know, I do sing in the worship. Oh, yes. And it does sometimes feel like you're the center of the attention and the congregation is there sort of watching you almost like an audience. But I've discovered that really it all isn't what is happening in our worship. And having to do our, our Sunday worship in particular without the congregation actually present. I know you are all there following along uh, live on Facebook or YouTube or what have you. I, I know you were there, but it wasn't, it wasn't like singing to an empty hall. It was more like shouting into the wind. <laughs> um, it was really depleting in terms of its energy. There's something, especially in the sermons, there's something conversational in my experience of sermons, even if I'm the one doing all the talking, but I feel the reciprocity, the mutuality, the give and take. I know when the congregation is following what I'm saying. I know whether it's it's landing and I can feel the vibe in the room. And when it's just a camera, I don't. And then of course, we're, we're missing, particularly in the sacrament, the opportunity to really do it together. And uh, St. Paul's, as you know, chose not to do communion for most of this last season, because we didn't think what communion is meant that it was okay for people to just sit and watch it at home. That's absolutely not it. We weren't going to perform it for an audience. It didn't make sense to us for the clergy to participate in something that we essentially had to deny to our people, even if it was for health and safety reasons. And so we've had this weird sort of way of trying to keep it going. And I have so missed the really energetic and often chaotic rhythm of priestly life that involves going here and there and everywhere and showing up for events and meeting people in person and actually doing things together. Um, yeah. You know, thankful for Zoom, I guess, for the ways that it enabled a lot of the important work to continue. There were some creative opportunities that came up through learning how to do internet worship for sure. But I, it was a very lonely time for me. And I am really glad we are emerging from this period of isolation. Yes, I am very much as well. Thank you for sharing your experience. I think we all can relate to what you said, that it's been lonely. It has, and I'm looking forward to bringing connection back into my life. <laughs> yes. All right. Now I'm really eager to hear what are the three things that have brightened your day lately? Ah, so I want to begin with this notion of joy. And I learned a long time ago that there's a difference between joy and, say, happiness. Joy is not an emotion that sort of comes and goes. In my understanding, joy is more like the condition of the soul. Mm. It's an inner light and resilience um, that for me is related to faith. And we've probably all known people in our lives that even if what was going on in their particular day or in their life generally at the moment was really difficult, there was this kind of inner confidence and peace that they radiated. 
I think that comes from true joy. So I want to begin, you know, speaking as a priest with my prayer life as something that grounds me in inner joy. I begin every day with morning prayer from the Book of Common Prayer. I have a particular place in my home uh, where I sit. It's a little altar. I sit on the floor. That's my preferred place to be. And I am inevitably joined every morning by my cat, Starbuck. For years and years and years and years, she's never missed morning prayer. <laughs> and she sits right next to me and usually makes very cute faces. Sometimes she falls asleep because it is early in the morning. Um, but she sits right next to me and she often purrs. And the, this funny thing, so we have at St. Paul's what we call a prayer list. These are people that parishioners have asked for specific intercessions or thanksgivings. And it's just a, a list of names. And I print out the prayer list every week and I bring it home and I pray through the prayer list in morning prayer. Starbucks really likes to sit on the prayer list. So once the prayer lists have cycled off, once you know I've gotten to this week's prayer list, I have started a little pile of old prayer lists for her to sit on. But no, she always wants to sit on the new one. I can't quite figure this out. And so then, of course, there's always a cup of coffee. I don't function uh, very well in the day unless I've had my pretty strong cup of coffee along with my morning prayer. So what brings me joy, particularly talking about this last year, it wasn't fun. I don't know that we would describe it as joyful. So how did this practice brighten my day? I particularly appreciated the opportunity in the stories of scripture and in the Psalms to recognize that people have been here before, even if it wasn't quite this precise circumstance, that the scriptures are filled with these epic stories of people going through unimaginable difficulties and overwhelming senses of powerlessness and helplessness and confusion and not knowing where to go. The great story of Israel, right, is being lost for 40 years. Mm -hmm. So I took great personal consolation from hearing these ancient voices of people who, even though their particular circumstances were different, their emotional and prayerful response was just like mine. Where are you, God? How long is this going to last? Where are we going? I need some encouragement here. And that, that prayerful practice of acknowledging the limits of my ability to control, my opening sort of what you might call the eyes of faith to look at the world from a different perspective and see, in fact, the good things that were happening, even though there was so much suffering around us, was enough hope and consolation and confidence that I think I was able to maintain that inner sense of joy that gave me a strength that was very much needed over these long, many months. So I think that would be my, my first thing that brings me light every day is making sure that I engage in the disciplines of my faith. Yes. You know, as you were sharing that, the phrase that came into my head is, there's nothing new under the sun. There's a little bit of comfort in that. People have gone through this before. We can get through it now. That's straight out of Ecclesiastes. Then I better start reading Ecclesiastes a little more. What's the second thing that's brightened your day? A long time practice of mine has been going for long walks. Wherever I have lived, there's been some place close by um, where I was able to develop a kind of circuit 
route. I like going in circles. I, even when I drive somewhere, I don't like to drive and come back the same way. I need, I need to go in a circle for some reason. Um, so I, I love my long walks. Like, you know, two hours is good for me at least once, maybe twice a week. This is where I do most of my sort of heavy thinking and, and processing. When I lived in New York City at the northern end of Manhattan, uh, it was beautiful Fort Tryon Park up where the Cloisters Museum is. Mm-hmm. When I lived in Beaverton, it was the Tualatin Hills Nature Park, spent a lot of time there. When I was in New Haven, it was East Rock Park. And here in Salem, it's definitely Minto Brown. I am down there out by the river. Uh, like I said, at least once or twice a week, I have a route that I take that's about six miles. And I do this so often that I really begin to pay attention to the changes in the natural world and the rhythms. Um, this is part of my, my prayer practice as well. I'll tell you when I was in New Haven, over there in East Rock Park, there was one particular spot. I developed a practice of stopping at that spot and taking pictures of it. And I have a whole album on my Facebook. It's almost a year's worth of pictures of this same spot and, and how it changes you know, you see it start to go orange and gold and red in the fall and then white in the winter and then brown mud in the early spring. The bright pale green begins to emerge again and we go back to the rich dark green of summer. So paying attention to these things, again, brings me joy. I love particularly encountering wild animals. Over here at Minto Brown, there's all kinds of things. There's adorable little quails. There's, of course, chipmunks and squirrels and the sweet, sweet, sweet little bunny rabbits that sit there and look at you until you get (laughs) maybe 10 feet away and then poof, they're gone. All kinds of woodpeckers, the rough skinned newts that migrate across the trail. Uh, Yeah. So I I go on these walks and I, I pay attention to the changes in the natural world. Like I said, their rhythms. I breathe the air. I notice how it smells different at different times of the year. Right now we have the cottonwood trees blooming, which I love, even though those things drive my allergies insane, um, <laughs> makes my eyes water and the roof of my mouth itch. And ugh, But something about that smell I really love. So I keep huffing the uh, cottonwood trees, even though I probably shouldn't. You know, you've inspired me. I do something every day as well. It's not nearly as beautiful as Minto Brown Park, but I live sort of across the street from the Crossler Middle School, and they have a big outdoor track. And I try to go on my lunch break. And I appreciate what you say about if you do something again and again and again, you do start to notice these new little things that maybe you would never pay attention to if it was your first time or even, I don't know, once a month. And well, like you just mentioned the seasons, I want to go find your pictures. That just sounds fascinating each day taking those photos. It was quite an interesting uh, documentary project. Yeah. Okay. What is the third thing that's brightened your day? Yeah. So this is something that came up for me during this uh, pandemic isolation. How do we even explain it? I want to say I was bored. Isn't to say that I didn't have stuff to do. There was plenty of like work to do and things to occupy time, but there wasn't enough balance. There was stuff to do, but it was mostly work. And it was hard to find the things that, you know, bring joy. And I was missing creativity in particular. And I've been thinking about crayons for some reason. I, I okay. don't know why. Uh, 
And then our, for Lent, we put together these sort of workbooks for families, activities around Lenten themes. And in the workbooks were a whole bunch of coloring pages. And I, I scored one of these for myself. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to go buy some crayons. So I, I went down to Freddy's and I bought, you know, the pack of 64 crayons. I had them as a kid. Maybe you did with the sharpener oh, yes. in the back. And I started to color these pictures and I really actually had a lot of fun with it. And so I found another coloring book, a sort of ink and paper, black and white renderings of famous American paintings. Some of them are more accurate renderings than others, but those have been fun to color, particularly the uh, outdoorsy scenes. I really like those. And then just recently, someone at the church found a stained glass coloring book Mm. Uh, with these sort of translucent pages. And the idea is you're supposed to color on the back of the pages and then you can take the pages out and, and put them up against the window and you've created your own stained glass window with crayons. So wow, I have been uh, sitting in my corner room uh, where I have got big, beautiful windows that look out on the backyard and I can see lots of sky. And I sit here once a week or every other week and I spend a couple hours and I just color with my my crayons and it's really been doing something good for my brain I tell you it was it was a good idea and I think it's something I'm going to continue with there's a lot of research about adult coloring and I think what it, it's what you're saying you're it's almost like walking you don't have to start thinking about putting one foot in front of the other and your mind you either get into flow you get in the zone your creativity, is ignited. It's like the level of pleasure and there's just enough level of challenge that something happens. It'd be fun if we could like put electrodes or something onto our brain when we're doing that and watch what is it telling us? Like what's happening? What's firing up in there? <laughs> what's going on? There's a, a self-learning aspect of it too. Um, I have found that what I like about crayons in particular is you can kind of get certain textures with them. And I like the way you can blend the colors. Mm. There's something about the way a, a crayon doesn't normally typically cover all the white space on the page. Right. And if you go over it again with another color, that other color will fill in those little pockets of white and you can get some really sort of interesting, rich textures. And then you, you know, you learn how sometimes a surprising color combination, something that you wouldn't have intuitively thought would work actually does and helps it make, make it look more realistic. And then sometimes there's uh, a complete failure. <laughs> I, I one that I was working on, it was, you know, one of those sort of like Hudson River School paintings, big, big open outdoor landscape. And in the original painting, it was this glorious red sunset in the background, mm. which I tried to recreate with my crayons. <laughs> and it looked like blood falling from the sky. It was it was really not at all what I wanted. I put that in the fail category, but uh, <laughs> uh, a learning experience to be sure. I need some more practice with sunsets. Maybe Starbucks will sit on that one that you didn't like. Then you don't have to look at it anymore. <laughs> Possibly. I'll, I'll leave it on the floor and see what she thinks. Oh, goodness. Well, Father Andy, I could I want to ask you, you know, many more things that have brightened your day because it's so interesting to listen to you share. And I'm, I figured that one of your cats was going to make it into the three things that have brightened your day. But you have another cat, Sid. Can you just tell us just briefly, like, how do Sid and Starbuck have such amazing personalities? Ah. Uh. You know, Starbuck has been with me for 15 years. 
she and her brother Rocky, who had a, a heart defect, and he he died when he was almost five. Oh. Um, I got Starbucks and Rocky for myself as a birthday present back when I was living in New York City, and so Starbucks and I have been through many adventures together. <laughs> I think this this also explains a big part of her personality is she's a native New Yorker. Uh, <laughs> she, she was born in Queens and she, you know, she spent the first year of her life living in Manhattan. So she's very sophisticated. That's uh, right. She has driven all the way across the country with me five times. I have promised her we won't do that again. Wow. Uh, and yeah, so there's there's a real bond there. She's very smart. She's very talkative. Um, she's not shy about expressing her opinions. Um Sid actually belongs to my former partner, um, who is still, we're still living together. The relationship ended during the pandemic year, but the challenges of having to, you know, uproot your life and so forth in the midst of all the other things that are going on, it just made sense for us to maintain stability for now. So Sid belongs to Michael. Sid was a stray cat that showed up at his place some years ago, just sort of started camping out on the patio. Michael already had a couple of cats and was like, uh, he's really cute, but I don't need another one. The story <laughs> goes that it was raining, raining really, really hard. And Sid was sitting in a chair on the patio in the rain, like not making any attempt to get out of the rain and just looking completely <laughs> lovely, pathetic and sad. And so Sid was invited in and stayed happily ever after. Sid is, um, he's a little special. Uh, I, I don't, he, mm, he's very, very sweet. I, I don't think he's especially bright. He's, he's not Starbucks intellectual equal. He's oddly wobbly. They always talk about how cats, you know, if you drop them, they will land on their feet. Oh, I mm -hmm. wouldn't, I wouldn't try this with Sid. <laughs> I, I actually witnessed Sid trip over an extension cord on the floor. Oh my um, goodness. He he wobbles a lot. So there might be actually something neurological happening yeah. with that we don't really know. But he is very sweet. I think he adores Starbuck. Starbuck, I think, thinks of him as that kind of annoying little brother. Um, <laughs> I think she does have in her way tremendous affection for him, but she finds him extremely irritating and does not want him to get too close. But they of late have been spending much more time in rough proximity to one another. Um, Starbucks still lets him know if boundaries have been violated, uh, she will boop him on the head. Uh, <laughs> but they, they, they've worked something out. I don't, I don't quite know what it is. And they both have the most expressive faces. It is okay. never any mystery what they're thinking. Sometimes it's a surprise that Sid is thinking at all. But um, <laughs> yeah, Sid will let you know whether he's doing okay or whether he's annoyed with you or whether he's hungry or he'll, yeah, he's a very effective communicator in his way. Oh man. I certainly enjoy the adventures of the felines on Facebook. Um, they are very good in their expressions, or maybe I should say you're very good at captioning their expressions. <laughs> I have good luck with that. Yes. All right. Well, Father Andy, thank you for your time, for being on my podcast, and thank you for brightening my day. Thank you for this invitation. This has been great fun. A good way to start this particular day. Thank you for tuning in to Brighten Your Day. To be a guest on my podcast, email me at hiltonlisab at gmail.com. That's Hilton with a Y. Special thanks to Clark Hilton for post-production 
and special thanks to Chris Jones for composing the theme song. <laughs>